Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. In the left corner, weighing 200 pounds with 0% body fat and just a very, very impressive set of abs is Eric Halloween. (laughs) And in the other corner, weighing 800 pounds, (laughs) standing at a measly Mm. two foot four. I went too low with that. Yeah. Four foot two and just covered in sweat because he's so scared he's going to get beat up is Jeremy the Butcher. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Little Marty, the only podcast that I'm aware of dedicated to covering the works of Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. My name is heavyweight champion Eric Halloween. Mm, and my name is, uh, well, I guess it's lightweight champion Jeremy the Butcher. Hello, hello. Boy, oh boy, Eric, we have stumbled upon quite a piece of cinema this week. Yeah, I think, you know what? It's like, uh, I don't know. Like, like, you know how people discover like old works of art Mm -hmm. that no one's ever heard of before? And that thing just becomes huge. I think we did that with this movie. (laughs) I've never heard anyone talk about this movie before. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my uh, my thing is, like, after watching this, I'm like, this is almost too much movie. Like, there's almost too <laughs> much going on here to, you know, we kind of run a pretty, a, pretty, a pretty loosey-goosey ship here on Little Marty. We like to talk film, sure, but, but you know, we have our limits. Raging Bull feels like right. I, I should be writing a, a paper on this film. It's so dense with so much going on. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot going on. I'm going to you know what? Hot take, but right but first. <laughs> Jeremy, we got to plug our Patreon. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is patreon.com/eric and jeremy. It's true. And uh what why would someone ever <laughs> give us money? Well, you would give us money if you wanted to hear us do a slew of bonus material, uh, all film and television related. We uh, uh, have been going through what we call the uh, Summer of Horror uh, series, which is mm-hmm. us basically covering a bunch of summer horror flicks that uh, are sure to uh, tickle your spine and tighten that bathing suit. So, uh, yeah, today... Um, after this recording, we are going to record our I Know What You Did Last Summer episode, which should already be out, I think, by the time you're listening to this. So uh, if you're curious, please go to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy and check it out. Yes. And I, you know, last we like to do these themes. Uh, mm-hmm. Last November, we did No Shave November, where right. we covered films <laughs> where uh, uh, the main character cannot shave. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah. um, mm-hmm. this, I'm uh, starting a campaign, Jeremy, and I, I want the f- listeners to rally behind me on this one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little bit harder of a sell, but I think if we get at least two patrons on board with this, mm-hmm. Monkey Bone Vember. Okay. We do, mul- we do four episodes <laughs> in November. <laughs> Every single one about the movie. We have to watch the movie Monkey Bone four times in November. Wow, I'm I'm into it. Um, if uh, if the patrons want it, the patrons got it. I have my doubts. <laughs> that, that that'll Honestly, see. this sounds right up Brian's alley, yeah. and I'm kind of <laughs> kind of concerned already yeah. that he's going to actually want us to do this. Um, yeah, but Monkey Bone Vember, just just planting the seed, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you know maybe it'll grow into a, a very bad idea that we probably regret for the rest but, of our lives. <laughs> yes, and that's what the Patreon's all about. It's Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, come make mistakes with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good tagline. So, um, hot take, Jeremy, yeah. and this is 
Because we've been watching these, you know, Scorsese movies sequentially. Yes. And uh, we're getting a lot of De Niro. Uh-huh. De Niro, and this is not like, this is this is not like a, a critique or anything. This is just like <laughs> m- my personal experience knowing that uh knowing that the real the real film heads will will not like to hear this cuz i do respect the man i think oh, he's good oh no i can't even i'm I can't getting even a little i'm getting a little sick of de niro at this oh point oh my god i'm getting kind of sick of de niro at this point eric i'm like what is this the- another <laughs> another one of these where de niro just plays a guy who is annoying mm-hmm. you know and is is like bad and mean, and I understand that he's like incredible at what he does, and he he does the method acting, and he gets really into it. But I just, I don't, there's something a there's something that I like just fundamentally like, you know, you have those people in your life where you like, just for whatever reason, maybe there was someone who, who they remind you of someone from way back in your past that was mean to you. Oh sure, where yeah. you're just like, I just kind of don't like this person, right. Is that uh, how I you sort feel of have that Jake with Lamada? <laughs> yeah. Well, or, well, like De Niro's in gen, like in general, where I'm kind of like, yeah. yeah. Well, yes, his characters are usually pretty detestable, and and I don't know, like it's it's, I I'm I'm very uh, I'm very excited to to kind of take a break from De Niro. That being said, I do I do appreciate his his work. What I was thinking is, you know, I I kind of almost wish. Maybe it would be, be would be better if it was more of a Scorsese and Joaquin kind of a thing, or Scorsese <laughs> and Daniel Day Lewis. Like, bring him in; he can be the star. But let's break it up once in a while. Yeah, I feel like um, t- I have two thoughts on that. One is uh, bad news uh, because the next uh, Scorsese we're watching is The King of Comedy, which is <laughs> the last De Niro uh, for for okay. a few films. Of his, I think. I think after after King of Comedy, we'll have a three film break for uh, for De Niro and Scorsese, and then right. he comes back again in the nineties. But oh, right, first Martin Scorsese's uh, Meet the Fockers. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that being said, um, the other thing I, I will say is I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna have the same thoughts when we get to the two thousands, and it becomes the Leonardo DiCaprio show with Scorsese where like every movie yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio is the star of um, for like six movies in a row. It's going to get, it's going to feel real <laughs> crazy. <laughs> um, I will say I, I love De Niro in like uh casino. I yeah. like De Niro in like a, you know, a mob boss role or something like that. But when he's just playing kind of like a cruddy, like dude like mm. womanizer dude mm. it's just i feel like i've just been seeing that <laughs> too lot. many times well yeah i'll tell you this uh raging bull for me is the peak i think of scorsese and de niro working together um so i hope you don't burn out on me yet because i know i know we've had a lot of de niro playing very similar roles but i i do think that there are a number of Scorsese De Niro projects where he really shows his range, where he's not just playing the same kind of awful guy. Like, for example, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, King of Comedy. He's going to play a very different character in that. And Cape Fear. He's a very different character in that. Mm. But, uh, but Raging Bull... To me, this is the best it gets as far as acting goes, uh, and and De Niro. And I get it. He he's a terrible guy. Jake LaMotta is not a great guy, and De Niro's playing a terrible character. And this might be one of his worst. This might be this might be worse than Taxi Driver in terms of I would not want to ever hang out with this guy. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I'm I left Raging Bull pretty high on a pretty big high because i was like this is this is like one of the greatest pieces of american cinema i mean undeniably greatest pieces of cinema ever ever committed to the screen it is like it is so good and wild and harsh and weird and has so many has so much going for it um but uh you know in a way 
I do agree that like it does get kind of weird when it's like we're only we're only seeing De Niro and him working together. Like there isn't uh, we d- we haven't gotten a break from that in a while, and I think that that's like. Yeah, it's going to be nice to do Color of Money and Last Temptation of Christ, you know, and After Hours. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun because uh, we're going to we're going to get it. We're, a break's coming soon enough. But but uh, yeah, Raging Bull to me, though, at least for now, this is the high watermark. I mean, this is this is the big show. This is the big Scorsese. I think like this might be his best film. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if Goodfellas is better than this. I, I don't really know. I, I think this might be it. This might be the best Scorsese movie ever made. I mean, I think this is the film that should have won him Best Picture. Yeah, I, hmm, I don't know. I, 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 I definitely appreciate this movie. I mean, I, I think it's great. Uh, I think I, I'm trying, I'm trying to decide if I like Taxi Driver more than I like this movie. Yeah. And then I remember that Joe Pesci is in Raging Bull. Yeah. I think I do like Raging Bull yes. the best so far. Come on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, I will say Taxi Driver does have um, our friend, uh, what's his name? Albert Brooks, <laughs> who's great. Mm. But uh, th- yeah, Pesci in this, there's no rival. It's just, he's so good. Pesci's so great. And like... You know, this movie being in black and white and in pulling all the cinematic stops, having that giant one shot that starts in the in the training room, in the water room, and then it goes all the way out into the huge arena and then pulls out to a crane shot. It was a steady cam that got loaded onto mm-hmm. a crane and became a crane shot. I mean, the film is so beautiful. Not the taxi driver isn't beautiful, but this film is like it's so gorgeous. It's uh yeah, you really can feel how much Scorsese has grown since something like, you know, yeah, uh, you know, uh, who's that knocking at my door? You know what I mean? Yeah. Look who's knocking at my door. Yeah, look who's knocking out these boxers. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> you should have called it that. <laughs> Would have been funny. Look who's knocking um, out these boxers. So it's funny... You should say that this is, you know, one of the best, one of the greats from Scorsese, because uh, he was not—he uh, was not necessarily riding a wave of success uh, going into this movie. He was actually uh, not in a great place. Spent a lot of time and energy making New York, New York. I mean, when you watch that movie, it's like, because I went, I went back and kind of was watching some of the Liza Minnelli clips Mm -hmm. and uh, it's like, man, so much money and uh, just thought went into this. Wasted. And it's just a movie that (laughs) nobody cares about at all. Nobody wanted it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And also Scorsese was like, uh, you know, heavily into cocaine at the time Mm -hmm. and, and, was not doing well. I I believe he was on the brink of like not even making feature films anymore. Mm. Um, like he wanted to start making do- documentaries or something. But uh, a little background. So Raging Bull, the idea came about when De Niro read the autobiography uh, upon which the film is based on the set of Godfather 2. Uh, although disappointed by the book's writing style, he became fascinated by the character of Jake LaMotta. He showed the book to Scorsese on the set of Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Uh, Scorsese repeatedly turned down the opportunity to write, direct the film, claiming that he had no idea what Raging Bull was about, even though he had read some of the text. Never a sports fan, fan when he found out what LaMotta used to do for a living, he said, a boxer. I don't like boxing. Even as a kid, I always thought that boxing was boring. It was something I couldn't, wouldn't grasp. Uh, the book then passed on to Mardik Martin, uh, fa- friend of the show at this point, Mardik Martin. Yeah, definitely. Th- shout out to Mardik Martin. Yeah, he's up there with Don Mancini and mm-hmm. other people. Uh, the film's eventual co-screenwriter who said the trouble is the damn thing has been done a hundred times before. A fighter who has trouble with his brother and his wife and the mob is after him. The book 
was even shown to producers, blah, 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 blah. After nearly dying from a drug overdose, Scorsese agreed to make the film, not only to <laughs> save his sentence. own life, but also to save his career. Wow, what a sentence. Yeah, so... um, Yeah, I don't know. Interesting stuff. That's really interesting, man. I, I, I guess it never really dawned on me, like, how up Scorsese was. Like, he was just completely... Yeah, he's one of those guys who you just, like... When you find out he was just wildly into cocaine, you're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But you don't, like... He doesn't, like, like give off that vibe necessarily. No, not at all. No. No way. He he looks like everyone's, like, kind of nerdy grandpa. <laughs> That's the vibe he gives off. He's, like, an old guy who only likes film. Only liked film his whole life. But, yeah, no, he was like a wild party animal, man. Oh, yeah. He uh, he liked to do a little nose candy mm-hmm. from time to time. Mm-hmm. He had a sweet tooth. Yeah, he liked to say. bump sugar, if you know what I'm saying. Right, right. <laughs> he liked to uh, huff the old... Uh, White powder, powder, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when okay, getting into some trivia, Jim. Actually, first, what? How ma- many have you? Se- is this a movie you've seen multiple times? When did you see it the first time? I think I've seen it once, other than this time. And I, oh, but I owned it on DVD. I like bought the special edition, watched it one time. You know, it's a it's a heavy movie. Like, let's be honest. You're you're not watching Raging Bull every day, unless you're, I don't know, unless you're like Scorsese on Coke. Uh, this is a movie that you watch, you know, every ten years or so. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I've I watched it about ten years ago. All right. Yeah. Light. See, I watched yeah. it. Uh, I've I've mentioned this period of time in my life. Uh, when I was working at the library at college during the summer break, I watched like I I just like had f- free full access to the uh you know the li- the DVD library and I watched uh as many of the classics as I could that I'd never seen before and uh, this I actually think that I remember that I watched this with um the same night that I watched. Uh, what's the what's sort of like an early Coen Brothers noir film? Maybe even their first movie. Oh, um, yeah, that Blood Simple. Blood Simple. I watched this and and, and uh, uh, Blood Simple in the same night, which was an interesting time. That's great. I couldn't see I couldn't see in color for hours afterwards. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, those are two great yeah. movies. What a that's a, that's a heavy night, I'll tell you that. It's a pretty Oh wait, Blood Simple is in color. No, I'm thinking of another. Isn't there a Coen Brothers movie The Man Who uh, Wasn't There? Yes. Mm-hmm. Must have been that. Yeah. Anyway. Two black and white. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. When uh the real Jake Lamato saw the movie, he said it made him realize for the first time what a terrible person he had been. <laughs> he asked the real Vicky Lamato, was I really uh, like that? Vicky replied, "You were the worst." Yeah. You Can were you imagine the worst. like towards the the end of your life, you just have to watch it. There's like a Hollywood movie about you, <laughs> and it's this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just like, "Oh my gosh. I uh I guess I went a little overboard there for a bit." <laughs> I guess I kind of wasn't that great, was I? Yeah. Um. Uh, in preparation for his role, Robert De Niro went through extensive physical training, then entered in three genuine Brooklyn boxing matches and won two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for uh, preparation for this podcast, I actually went to the local boxing gym and I called everyone in there <laughs> a wimp. <laughs> and I ran to my car and sped away. So... Kind of the same thing. Wow. Uh, when Scorsese visited some boxing matches, he was immediately struck by two images. The blood-soaked sponge wiped across the fighter's back 
and the pendulous drops of blood hanging off the ropes. Hmm. Um. Oh, there was something about the uh, black and white that's worth mentioning. Okay, so preparation for the film began with Scorsese shooting some 8mm color footage featuring De Niro in a boxing ring one night when the footage was being shown to De Niro... Michael Chapman and his friend, his friend and mentor, the British director Michael Powell, pointed out that the color of the glove at the time would, ha- would have only been maroon, oxblood, or even black. Scorsese decided to use this as one of the reasons to film Raging Bull in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a good choice. I mean, it's just yeah. so perfect in black and white. And look, we all know black and white is usually signals a bit of pretension a little bit, you know, especially when it's a modern film in black and white. You're kind of like, okay, film school nerd. We get it. You like black and white. You like you like old yeah. retro vibes. But sometimes a film is just so perfect, like captured in black and white, you know, with no color at all. Raging Bull is d- definitely one of those. I think the film is so yep. vibrant that, like, it, it it's hard to even remember you're watching a black and white film when it's on. Jeremy, hear me out. There's only three good black and white films. Okay, I'm going to love this. Raging Bull. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nebraska, Ooh, starring Bruce yeah. Dern and Will uh-huh. Forte. Yeah. And Clerks. Okay, great. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Those are the yeah. those are the three all-timers, the black and white all-timers. Yeah. I'd maybe throw in like a uh a uh what's it? Roma in there. A little Roma maybe. Um but yeah, those are all those are all great. And those are all modern black and white movies that that don't really feel that pretentious. I wonder if someone like if a kid like has discovered Kevin Smith, they'd never seen black and white. Cause you could like grow up and, and live, get pretty far into your life at, at this point in time and never see black and white cinema. Uh-huh. I wonder if like a, someone's first exposure to black and white was clerks. clerks. <laughs> and they're, they're thinking like, this is some like ancient movie when it's really <laughs> yeah. just, yeah, it's, it's black and white on purpose to look much older. That's a really good point yeah. too. Like the idea that like retro becomes such a such becomes in vogue so often, especially now. Like if you go outside, you look at you know Gen Z kids; they're all wearing like Jinkos and 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 stuff that I like. My friends of mine wore in middle school, so it's like you know culture just recycles itself. So it's kind of hard to tell. Like, are you like the third wave of black and white retro style looking films, or are you the original black and white, you know, like where do you fit on the timeline? Wait, what? Sorry. Wait, what to what? (laughs) What was the last sentence you said? I got caught up looking at a piece of trivia. Oh, it's like, it's, uh, you know, just on the timeline of culture recycling itself where, you know, it's hard to sometimes place films. Like, yeah, you know, like is Clerks is clearly like a redux of an older looking style film. But, you know, to somebody from, you know, the last 10 years might look like an older film. You get it. I get. Yeah, I, I'm picking it up. Um, so the way the boxing scenes were filmed, Jeremy. Uh, so Sir Scorsese shunned the idea of filming these scenes with multiple cameras Instead, he planned months of carefully choreographed movements with one camera. He wanted the single camera to be like a third fighter. Mm. Did you feel when you were watching this movie like you were right there in the ring? Yeah, it's great. All the fighting stuff. Throwing oh, yeah. Also, the choice jabs. The choice to, uh, at some point, it's like halfway through the movie or maybe, you know, maybe a little over halfway. They just show you like kind of a montage of like fights happening, but it's all in just pictures, like still photographs. And it's like, yeah, it's so good. Just it looks so great and just feels good. It has a great feel to it. Uh, sound effects for punches landing were made by squashing melons and tomatoes. Mm. Uh, sound effects for camera flashes going off were sounds of gunshots. The original tapes were deliberately destroyed by the sound technician to prevent them from being used again. 
I actually, Jeremy, I, you know, just to test this out, I went to the supermarket earlier and I, I brought some, I bought some melons and tomatoes and I'm going to smash them right here on microphone. You ready? <laughs> Tell me if this sounds like a punch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely sounds like uh, it sounds like you're p- uh, punching uh, like a bunch of Nickelodeon slime. <laughs> Gak. Uh, let's see here. The hold on, there was something. Well, I just scrolled past something interesting. Uh, yes, to achieve the feeling of brotherhood between two lead actors, De Niro and Joe Pesci, lived and trained with each other for some time before filming began. Ever since then, the two have been very close friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they really got along in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> classic bros. Yeah, classic bros. Uh, let's see. To add to the documentary-like realism, Scorsese wanted men, mainly amateur actors and newcomers around De Niro, Joe Pesci, at Joe Pesci at the time a frustrated, struggling actor managed an Italian restaurant in the Bronx, had to be persuaded several times to make the film rather than return to the musical act he shared with fellow actor Frank Vincent because they really liked his streetwise and authentic persona. Isn't that crazy? I, I read that somewhere else, too, where, like, uh, Joe Pesci at this point in his career was just kind of, like, done with acting. Yeah. Little did he know this was about to Little... really start his career. <laughs> yeah. Wet Bandit is born. <laughs> no, uh, wet so, Bandit is born. What do, we, what do you say we dive into the uh, plot of Raging Bull? Let's Bolt? do it. Come on. Okay. Hold on a second. I got it pulled up right here. Raging Bull is a steel roller coaster located at Six Flags Great America in Gurney, Illinois. Designed by Werner Stengel and manufactured by Bollinger and Mab... Oh, wrong. wrong <laughs> what if we just not didn't even acknowledge that that was wrong? We just kept doing it. <laughs> Raging Bull, by the way. Look up Raging Bull roller coaster. This is a roller coaster that that was built at the uh, the Six Flags nearest my childhood home. It's a absolute monster, and uh, it's a cool roller coaster. You should check. Sounds it out. cool. But every time I every time I think about Raging Bull, it's most people's mind goes right to uh, De Niro and Scorsese. My mind goes to, uh, you know, feeling like I'm going to throw up on this, <laughs> you know, giant orange roller coaster yeah. in Illinois. I love that. Yeah, my mind goes to feeling like I'm going to throw up because I did too much cocaine. Yeah. Well, your mind always goes to that place because you have <laughs> yeah. a problem. Right. Uh, 1964, an aging, overweight Italian-American named Jeremy Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so rude. So rude, this Wikipedia already. <laughs> uh, Jake LaMotta practices a comedy routine. Here's a question for you, because I haven't seen this in a while. <laughs> yeah, well, is this funny? I didn't recognize, <laughs> I didn't realize, it took me a while to realize that that was De Niro. Oh, yeah, I love that. That's great, yeah. Because he's, um, I guess they must have done, I mean, obviously he put on weight, but they, they must have done some facial, uh, you know, well, I, I don't know what the term is, but, you know, reconstruction kind of stuff. Yeah, for some, sure. Some prosthetics. Yeah, they did some facial what, stuff. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some cucumbers over the eyes. Oh, for yeah, yeah, they, yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there's some prosthetics on his face for sure, but also he's gained like a lot of weight. I mean, that is like one of the biggest pieces of trivia about Raging Bull is for a while, I think he held the record for uh, most weight gained for a role. I think that he was beaten by another uh, another old mainstay of our show, Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, Vincent D'Onofrio. Who I think gained more weight to play Private Pile. 
Mm. Yeah. They call that a reverse machinist. Yeah, the reverse machinist. They were calling it that even back then, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't make sense. What do you think of the idea of me going to a beach and just, like, laying down, <laughs> sunbathing, uh, just on a crowded beach, and over the top of my eyes, like on the bridge of my nose, is just a, a whole cucumber? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Like I didn't slice it. <laughs> It's pretty good. Okay, 1941. Lamada is in a major boxing match against Jimmy Reeves, where he suffered his first loss. Uh, Jake's brother, Joey Lamada, discusses a potential shot for the middleweight title with one of his mafia connections, uh, Salvi Bats. Mm. Uh, sometime thereafter, Jake spots a 15-year-old girl named Vicky at an open-air swimming pool in his Bronx neighborhood. Hmm. Did not realize that her character is supposed to be 15. Oh, yeah. No, they say it in the movie. And to and to make matters worse, Joey, uh, what's his name? Um, Joe Pesci's character has already tried to sleep with her. Uh, he eventually pursues a relationship with her, even though he is already married. In 1943, Jake defeats Sugar Ray Robinson, and has a rematch three weeks later. I gotta ask. Uh huh. Is the band Sugar Ray named after this <laughs> Sugar character? Ray Leonard? Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that Jake dominates Robinson during the bout, the judges surprisingly rule in favor of Robinson, and Joey feels Robinson won only because he was enlisting into the army the following week. By 1945, Jake marries Vicky. Mm. I guess this is where we get that whole montage. That montage, yeah. And which maybe so maybe it's not halfway through the movie, or maybe they're just gonna take a long time to describe the second half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um. So I'm trying to think of like what all any notable scenes. Oh, I mean, up. there's so many. I mean, meeting Vicky for the first time. Um. Seeing a young John Turturro at that restaurant they go to, mm. uh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, just the uh, the way the film opens, I mean, I guess we didn't really talk about that, just like that, that extended long sequence with the music from him from between the, uh, from between the uh, ropes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of classic bits in here. Also, my favorite line in the whole movie, your mother's an animal, happens, uh, happens right around this time. At the beginning. Mm. Your mother's an animal. <laughs> Love it. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm looking through the. Yeah. So uh, Lamada is like. Pre- there's like no point in this movie where he's get- like he goes from being bad to worse. <laughs> essentially. Is yeah. like his art, the arc of his character. I don't like in the beginning, a, we're yeah. already seeing him just like scream at his wife for like not <laughs> m- cooking his dinner, his steak the way the he wants, right it. way. Yeah, I, I would argue that. Um, so, huh, I would I would argue the point of this movie is not that Robert De Niro, that Jake LaMotta is bad. I think the point of it, uh, the the whole point of this entire story is kind of that like. Like Jake LaMotta is like a like grew up in a hard time in a hard environment and he's a hard boxer. And like this is the kind of filth and degenerateness that like that that his circumstances like bore him into. Like they call him an animal several times throughout the movie because people treat him like an animal. I think he I think Jake LaMotta is in fact some sort of different human being, an animal. You know, uh, uh, a ra- a literal raging bull. This is a story about not a good or bad guy. This is a story about an unfortunate product of like violence in a time <laughs> in early America where we just celebrated this kind of ruthlessness. I mean, like, you know, I think Taxi Driver is a, a movie about a bad guy. I think this is a movie about just like what, like, like, like a sad, sad like guy a sad sad story of just 
yeah, like somebody who, again, like whether it be society or, or the people around him had just failed. Also, he barely like at times even fits in with his own surroundings too. Like he becomes himself sort of a pariah. So it's like, it's like a weird thing where I'm like, yeah, he's obviously like, he's an uncomfortable character and not a great guy and totally, you know, beats up his brother and hits his wife. And, but it's like, it's like, yeah, I just don't think it's as easy as, oh, this is just a bad guy. You know, it's like, it's like, this is a, this is a weirdly complicated, uh, uh, character. And, and you're going to have to sit with him and his decisions for like an entire two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and he is put in like weird, uh, situations too, like with the, with the mob guy. Oh yeah. And There's also a weird masturbation thread in this movie. Like he can't, uh, like have sex with his wife for some reason. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's some weird stuff going on in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jake constantly worries about Vicky having feelings for other men, uh, particularly when she makes an offhand comment about Tony Janeiro, Jake's opponent in his next fight. Do you think Tony Janeiro is supposed to sound like Robert De Niro? (laughs) (laughs) No, but it definitely does. Tony Janeiro sounds like, you know how they have like, there's an actor, I think we saw him in one of the Resident Evil movies where he's like basically a low rent Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, for sure. Tony Janeiro would be like that version of Robert De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his jealousy is evident when he brutally defeats Janeiro in front of the local mob boss, Tommy Como and Vicky uh, and Vicky. As Joey discusses the victory with journalists at the Copacabana, he is distracted by seeing Vicky approach a table with Salvi and his crew. Mm. Uh, Joey speaks with Vicky, who says she is giving up on his brother. Uh, Blaming Salvi, Joey viciously attacks him in a fight that spills outside of the club. Yeah, this is a rough one to watch, because it's like he just continually slams this guy's body into into the car door. Oh, yeah. that's a rough, uh, that's rough. I love also um, the later when you, yeah, I mean, we're going to get to it, but like he and then the mob boss ends up making them make up and then you just see like how banged up the other guy is and he has to like shake hands with uh, <laughs> Joe <laughs> Pesci. It's so funny. Uh, Como later orders them to apologize and has Joey tell Jake that if he wants a chance at the championship title with Como's, uh, contr- which Como controls, he will have to take a dive first in a match against uh, Billy Fox. After briefly pummeling his opponent, Jake does not even bother to put up a fight. He is suspended shortly thereafter from the board on suspicion of throwing the fight, though he realizes the error of his judgment when he is when it is too late. He is eventually reinstated and in 1949 wins the middleweight champion title against Marcel Sardin. Man, that's so uncomfortable and like kind yeah. of pathetic that scene when he's he's just sobbing after the fight. And then he gets the old, other old man to start crying too. It's really yeah. uncomfortable. I also think it's uncomfortable like the whole fight that he has to do where he's faking like getting hurt and he keeps telling the boxer to come on like come on come on like like he's he's basically trying to make it look real so he's like he's like begging the guy to just hit him harder and the guy just can't because he's so weak uh yeah like like he says later he's like yeah i barely tapped the guy and the guy was like falling all over himself yeah it's a it's an uncomfortable thing and i didn't know i didn't know that this was such a big part of boxing that like in order to be successful, you have to like throw matches for gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, a year. It, it that I mean that's that is a big part of podcasting, though. Yeah, uh huh. We have to throw a lot of our episodes for Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we did all the Paul W S Anderson mm-hmm. movies. We had to get some bad episodes out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a year. 
A year later, Jake asks Joey if he found if he fought with Salvi at the Copacabana because of Vicky. Uh, Jake then asks if Joey had an affair with her. Joey refuses to answer, insults Jake, and leaves. It's a pretty iconic scene. Yeah. Uh, Jake directly asks Vicky about the affair, and when she hides from him, uh, and when she hides from him in the bathroom, he breaks down the door, prompting her to sarcastically state that she had sex with the entire neighborhood, including his brother, Selvi, and Tommy Como. Tommy Como. Uh, Jake angrily walks to Joey's house with Vicky following him and assaults Joey in front of Joey's wife, Lenora, and their children before knocking Vicky unconscious. Uh, after defending his championship belt in a grueling 15-round bout against Laurent Douthuli. Nice. <laughs> Certainly not right. In 1950, he makes a call to his brother after the fight, but when Joey assumes Selvi is on the other end and starts insulting and cursing at him, Jake says nothing and hangs up. Estranged from Joey, Jake's career begins to decline slowly, and he eventually loses his title to Sugar Ray Robinson in their final encounter in 1951. Yeah, which, man, this is a brutal scene of him just getting punched and the blood from his face just flying in the face of like the judges and stuff. It's, it's really brutal. And just like how messed up he looks when he finally like goes back to uh sugar Ray. And he's just like, you never got me down. Ray. That's also a very famous scene. Yeah. The, uh, you never got me the down. La- Ray scene. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how the band Sugar Ray got their name. Right. You never got me down, Sugar Ray. <laughs> By 1956, uh, Jake and his family have moved to Miami. After he stays out all night at his new nightclub there, Vicky tells him she wants a divorce, which she has been planning since his retirement as well as full custody of their kids. She also threatens to call the police if he comes anywhere near them. He is later arrested for introducing underage girls to men in his club. <laughs> Uh, he tries and fails to bribe his way out of his criminal case using the jewels from his championship belt instead of selling the belt itself. Man, how sad is so that? So sad, dude. So crazy uh, sad. When he's banging his belt. Uh, yeah, and then he finds out that he would have gotten more if he didn't. Br- if he hadn't done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, uh, yeah. And, it's a oof, rough. In 57, he goes to jail, uh, sorrowfully questioning his misfortune and crying in despair. Hmm. Upon returning to New York City in 1958, he happens upon Joey, who forgives him, but is elusive. I got to say, it doesn't happen often in movies, but it does happen. And every time it happens, it's one of those things that's like... You know how there's like there's like certain injuries where it like makes you cringe more than others? Yeah. When when a character is willingly banging their head against oh, a concrete wall, yeah. it drives me insane. Like yeah. I can't, I can't watch it. Yeah, it's ho- that's horrible. Uh, again in 1964, Jake now recites the "I could have been a contender" scene from the 1954 film On the Waterfront, mm-hmm. where Terry Malloy complains that his brother should have been there for him but is also keen enough to give himself some slack. After a stagehand informs him that the auditorium where he is about to perform is crowded, Jake starts to chant, I'm the boss, while shadowboxing. Yeah. Good stuff. And that's the end of freaking Raging Bull, man. Wow. Open Water 3, Raging Bull. (laughs) Raging Bull, nineteen eighties. Raging Bull, pretty, yeah. uh, pretty interesting movie. Pretty good movie, I, I must say. Yeah, like I said, I think you know once now that we've sort of discovered it and and done an episode on it, I think it's going to catch on. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. you know something that movie people, mo- film Twitter, film is Twitter might might finally uh, get around to qu- kind of like. Uh, I finally come around to it, you know? Yeah. You know, Scorsese is kind of like, he kind of always has been, 
But I've noticed on like Twitter in particular, Scorsese is kind of like, like in like a like the kind of topic that comes up a lot that everyone universally likes. Yeah, they can you know all I mean? agree like, on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, except for the Marvel people. The Marvel people can like can eat. Yeah, but eat, they're uh, you know they don't matter. Yeah, they can disappear for all I care. But uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh he's pretty universally like I mean David Lynch has the same vibe too. It's just like nice old men who make really messed up movies, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um uh so Jeremy, yeah. give me your final thoughts on The Bowl. I think I've talked enough about uh Raging Bull on this. I mean, just like my feelings on it. Obviously, I like it a lot. It's like probably it, it, right now if I was to rank all the Scorsese and and Sandler movies we've watched i think this is the best this is the best film we've watched so far on this podcast i don't know if it's going to be topped because again it is like it is just so good and like most i think most film people would probably would probably contend that this is the best of scorsese's work you know i mean it's up there with probably some of the best films of all time i think De Niro and Pesci are transcendent in it. I, I really, man, like, a performance that I had never really, I don't know, studied that much, but, like, like was really surprised by was Kathy Moriarty's performance as, as Vicky. Mm-hmm. She's so good. And, like, the way she plays that character, she's never, like, it's weird. She, like, really holds her own with, uh, with a very violent De Niro. Like, De Niro scares me in this movie. And, doesn't seem to rattle Vicky as much, which I think is like a interesting choice. I don't know. This film is also just full of interesting choices, even by today's standards. I think, I think it looks good, and I think the sequences in it are just it just screams artistic integrity, you know, the whole way. And yeah, again, like because this film came out in the nineteen like nineteen eighty, right on the heels of the nineteen seventies. You don't see films like this anymore with subjects like this anymore. We're like you know these hard boiled awful uh you know complicated complex characters that you know by the end eric i think you probably would agree with me you just don't know what to do with all this information you're like what how do i feel now like i hate this guy i feel sad for this guy it's 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 a it's a it's a mix you know a mix of emotions and um anyways i think it's i think it's great for me it gets a four out of four chucky freckles Four out of four. Four out of four. Chucky Freckles. Perfect score. It gets the Billy Madison score. <clears throat> the Billy Madison score. You know, this is one of those moments where I, I kind of have to, I have to disconnect a little bit because there's there's things about this movie that I um just like personally in 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 uh. It is not like a, a component of like the perfect movie for me. It's mm-hmm. not is not a four out of four for me. Mm-hmm. For example, I do not like boxing. <laughs> I don't care yeah. for boxing. Yeah, I don't. I I think it's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I think that it's like the perfect sport to, for this movie to you know be be based around. It makes complete sense. Yeah. I think the way that Scorsese shot these boxing scenes are just like breathtaking um and kind of going back to the de niro thing i i'm just like i don't know if it maybe i'm just kind of sick of seeing him <laughs> do a similar thing you know um because it's the thing is is he's so good at what he does that it's like it's almost exhausting to like watch him in these movies mm. to a point like it's almost like you're not meant to watch all these Scorsese movies mm. back to back because they're just so there's just so much going on and they're there's so uh so much artistry. Um but I recognize that this is, you know, probably a perfect film. Um let's see here. I will give it the as close as I can give it to a four out of four, Jeremy. Mm. I'm gonna give it a three point seven five out of four. Hey, that's not bad. That's right a, up there with the, we- the wedding. With singer. the wedding singer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Hey, that's not a bad score. Not at all. That's a good. That's a good ass yeah. score right there. Yeah, and you know what? Fair enough. Like you're you're right. Like I also don't like. I also don't like follow boxing. I do think boxing is a pretty good film sport. Like yeah. it looks good on camera. I also think that like, and and also some of my f- some some movies I really like just happen to be boxing movies, like The Fighter and uh, you know Rocky. But that being mm. you know, so I but I'm right there with you. Boxing ain't my thing. Sports really isn't my thing, and uh, and yeah. So, uh, but that's still a great score. It's still an excellent film. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't have been happier with this revisit, honestly. It, it really was cool. It was cool in a way that, like, you know, I'm not I'm not sure I'm going to get with every time I revisit one of these Scorsese movies. I'm really worried about Goodfellas. Like, I, I wonder if that's going to mm-hmm. hold up. You know, I just don't know. It's been so long since I've seen it. I maybe have only seen that one once also. So, so yeah. I'm afraid that it went, our Goodfellas episode, if we both don't like it and we do, an ep- like, an episode where we're like, don't don't like Goodfellas that much that people will go after us. <laughs> yeah, they'll come after us <laughs> and try and whack us. Yeah, but that might that, that could happen. Are you down for the challenge, Eric? I'm down for the challenge. Let's take it down. We're going after Goodfellas. Uh, so the next Scorsese movie we're doing is called, and I believe this is the right title, "The Queen of Humor." <laughs> yeah, yeah called the queen of humor it is starring lisa lampanelli <laughs> yeah the roast oh no she's not the roast mat the roast masteress yes the queen General. of the queen of mean queen of mean um but next week we are switching gears back to the sandman and uh what is the next adam sandler movie let's find out it is big daddy BD, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Um, great. We'll uh, check in with Scuba Steve and <laughs> the, 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 the carryout uh, delivery driver that Rob Snyder plays. It's going to be a great time. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, check out patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy for all your bonus content needs. Uh, get ready. For Monkey Bone Vember. Put, you know what? Tweet at us at Hubie Halloween one if you want to make this dream a reality. Hashtag Monkey Bone Vember. I better check in on that hashtag in about <laughs> five days and see at least a dozen people telling mm. us not to do it. Um, Jeremy, Anything you want to plug before we sign off? No way. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We certainly enjoyed doing it. We'll be back next week with another riveting episode. Riveting indeed. Norma? (laughs) I'll see you in my dreams. 